Hello, my friends. This is Shift M Podcast, episode number 22. Uh, it's been a little delay over the last few weeks, and I'll try to get back to the normal schedule, doing this podcast every week on Monday. And uh, today I'm just myself. Uh, the subject will be educational, and I will try to... I'll try to explain what I think about customers in the software business because I'm, I'm working with these guys for, I don't know, for 20 years or so, maybe even more. And uh, my experience in the, is in most cases negative. So they are, I think, the most dangerous creatures in software projects. They, they cause a lot of troubles. They cause a lot of uh, failures. I lost many projects because of customers, not because of lack of money, not because lack of uh, good programmers or because of technical failures, but because customers uh, caused a lot of chaos, a lot of uh, distraction, a lot of negativity, a lot of uh, bad decisions, and then eventually the project just collapses and fails, and, and the customer just uh just stops you know funding the project and move somewhere else and then and then starts doing something similar i wrote a number of articles about that on the blog and um, today the discussion will be all around the 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 blog posts i wrote uh in 2015 it's about three years ago uh it's called how to be honest and keep a customer that's a very typical question uh most software teams uh, are asking themselves when they have to make a choice whether the customer has to see everything what's going on in the project all the source code repositories all the management documents all the communications and conversations which are happening between programmers in the project or it's better to keep the customer in the dark just giving them uh, I don't know the final releases and the final products and the prototypes or some something which is which we can demonstrate, but not the internal, not the internal affairs of the project because it's risky. Because, like I said, the customers are not really software people in most cases. Um, it's actually the software team is quite lucky if the customer is a software person as well. If the customer understands what what's going, what what the, what uh, what has to be done in order to develop the software, if the customer understands the difference between programming languages, between uh, you know source code control systems, between uh, different roles in the project, and all that, but in most cases it's not actually the case. In most situations, they are just money people with a with a, with some cash. And they just want their cash to be turned into the next brilliant product on the market, but they don't really know how to do that. All they know is that 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 you have to pay, and then they hope that the software team will eventually deliver something and it will work. And and they they assume that the process of creating the software is similar to any other uh, any other financial transactions they. Uh, have experience with if they were purchasing houses before they know that they pay and then the house is yours if they were buying cars or selling cars they know how how it works with the cars if they were making money on i don't know on restaurant business then they also know that you pay and then you get something back 
and all that. So they have, they don't know exactly how to turn their money into tangible software, and that's why they uh, they are dangerous because the moment we open our kitchen to them, the moment we open everything um, that they can't see technically, they they may get scared, they may get become surprised, they may uh, become frustrated of what they see, they may not understand what they see, and all that. So now I'll give you some practical you know, recommendations, because like I said, my experience, my personal experience is that uh, they are all danger, they are all a trouble. So every customer is a trouble, and they are bigger troubles than programmers. So if I'm a, a manager of the project, if I'm standing between programmers and customers, which is quite typical position for me for the last 15 years, so I'm always somewhere in the middle, I'm connecting customers and programmers, so I know that programmers are less of a problem than these money people. Uh, difficult to say, maybe it's only my experience, but I think it's quite, you know, it's quite uh, generic for, for the entire industry. So what happens, now I'll, I'll give you a list of problems which I've seen in my projects, and then I'll give you the solution which I, which I found out um, practically, and then I'll go again through these troubles and see how my solution can actually help. Maybe it will be helpful for you. So there is like, I made a list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, um, uh, what do you call them, uh, symptoms. Of, uh, of, a, of, a, of a danger a customer, you know, start to, to bring into the project. Number one, the client, when they see the source code, when they see your repository, when you see what's going on in the project, they will start to blame you for the quality, for the low quality. The low quality of your conversations, the low quality of your source code, the low quality of your programmers, the low quality of everything, it doesn't matter. They just used to do that. They know that if they don't blame you, then you will get lazy, you will get relaxed, and you will not, you know, you will not work according to your maximum top uh, potential. That's what they learn from any other industry. And this is actually true. This is true because, you know, if, if nobody blames you for the quality, you're not going to achieve, you're not going to uh, attempt to increase the quality. So I, I agree in this, uh, in this um, attitude with any customer that they have to blame you for the quality. But the way they do that, the way they um, you know, shake the project when they want to increase the quality is going to be quite disturbing and uh, quite uh, uh, destructive. So what happened to me many times is then when you look at when they when they, they look at the source code and then all of a sudden you get an email from them saying that they they ask somebody some friend of theirs to to look at the at the source code and that friend said that there is something really wrong going on and and the, and we don't know what we are do what we are doing. I I've got sometimes I I remember a few times I was getting that email from my customers saying that hey we've been working with the project for three months already and now we understand that we basically we paid you for three months and now we understand that we lost all our money that you basically you know you you robbed us you stole our money that's that's kind of a email you, you I, I remember i was getting 
So it was really, they were actually exaggerating, of course, because, you know, we didn't actually steal their money, but they felt that way, that they were paying for three months and we were like developing something which is not going to work, which will never work, which is just a, uh, just a piece of trash, which, which never will turn into a real product. What can you do with that email? It's difficult to do anything in that situation. It's quite a, the most, I think it's the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous uh, uh, attack <laughs> a customer may uh, attempt to do on the project. And in that case, um, it's quite close to the end. So I don't remember any, I don't remember myself or my teams to actually um, to rescue the project in that situation because the customer is super frustrated they don't believe you and they don't trust you anymore they just want to take the money back as much as they can and just move to another team which will do exactly the same for them which will also spend some time and money for a few months and then eventually they will get into uh, the, the sources and say hey the quality is low so, of course, that's why many teams are just closing the source and, and, and say to customer, you know, we're going to show you everything only when it's done. And, and, and they put it in the contract and the customer says, OK, that's the way these guys work. They sign the contract and they stay in the dark. I don't think it's a good solution, but that's a first threat. So they will blame you. The customer can and will blame for the low quality of anything. One thing happened to me as well. The customer, I remember, uh, they, uh, they were uh, staying in the chat between programmers. So all the, the group of developers uh, were having a, uh, an online chat where they were discussing what to do. And the customer was listening. He was just staying there in the chat and listening to what programmers are talking technically, blah, blah, blah. And then, and he was quiet for a while, for a long time, like weeks or maybe a month or so. So he was not saying anything. And, and we just forgot that he's there. So we just didn't pay attention to, to him. And we were freely communicating our internal affairs, what to do right, what to do bad and what to do wrong. And, um, and and we had of course we had questions it was not everything was not clear to us what to do we were asking we were discussing we were not we were not professionals in everything and that's how it should be you cannot be you know you cannot know everything and then i remember one of the programmers was junior and he was like saying hey i don't understand how to do that and maybe it will not work so he started to like express some concerns about him not being able to to understand something or develop something and then the customer all of a sudden showed up in the chat and said hey i'm i'm here i'm listening and now i understand that you guys are just experimenting with my money you're not you know professionals who know what they're doing you're just uh, you're just learning here using my money so i'm paying you for study or what like you're supposed to know what to do i'm not supposed to pay you for for your education and that was pretty you know <laughs> shocking because we we forgot that he was there and uh and it was you know it was okay uh to learn while you while you develop something to a certain extent of course but um he exaggerated that's what's happening so when the customer is seeing uh something which is as he thinks is a low quality he tries to exaggerate it he tries to make a big a big problem out of it not just correct you a little bit but turn this one small problem into a big uh a negative uh 
concern, which will eventually lead to a divorce with the customer. That's first problem. Second problem is that a uh, customer may give many management instructions, like saying, I want this programmer to work on that module now, or I want you guys to stop doing this and start doing that, or I want you to, uh, to pay for, for this development this particular way. So the customer is micromanaging our management process. They, they, they are uh, telling us what to do, basically. It's not really ba as bad as the first problem, like the low quality concern, but it's annoying because uh, managers are, when they, when, they, uh, when they face that micromanagement from a customer, the managers are taking their hands off the project and just becoming uh, project observers or coordinators, but not managers. So they don't feel responsible anymore for any results because because as in any micromanagement that's the the the, the first the first and logical uh, outcome of a man of a micromanagement is the complete uh, l l complete loss of responsibility so the moment you start micromanaging anyone that person will become absolutely unresponsible for anything so uh, he or she will do what you say but you will not be able to uh, to account that person uh, for anything because you gave instructions you didn't give you didn't delegate responsibility you gave instructions the same happens with the entire project so when we're starting when we start getting instructions uh, the customer uh, our managers uh, I remember that situation I had three teams there was like I don't know maybe 10 years ago and, and we had a really good customer he was really interested in in the uh, in the project he was not like like many customers just lazy giving money and just waiting for final results but he was really uh, into the project he was really motivated to stay on top of the project and i i lost the moment because i was um like above the project manager so i was like one layer above them and there were three small like small projects and one customer and three project managers and I saw that there is a really direct communication between that guy from uh, from America and these three guys from uh, they were in Eastern Europe that time. Uh, there were t two women, one man. I mean, project managers, and they were in really uh, tight communication with the customer. And I was happy. I was happy to see that because the money was flowing. Customer was kind of not touching me. He was just talking to them all the time and uh and i was relaxed i was getting some profit but then in some time i started to realize that uh the whole management project pr process the way these three projects are managed uh, are not the way i want them to be managed and i and i saw that uh, that these three people these three project managers are not managing anything they are just transferring instructions from the customer to programmers and then when programmers started to go the wrong direction, when the whole project started to go in the wrong direction, then the customer came back to us and started to blame us for, for all the troubles, for lack of management, for lack of risk analysis, for lack of planning, estimating, everything. And it was too late. Because at that point, all I could say is that I started to, uh, to talk to, to managers and the answer they were giving me is just the customer told us to do that. 
So we were not making management decisions. We were just transferring, you know, translating what that guy was telling us to do to our programmers. So what do you want from us? What, well, what were we able to do? Say no, like a month ago to this customer? Of course not. But so, so this micromanagement, uh, you know, killed the project. So we, we actually lost these three small projects and, uh, and the customer got nothing. We got some money. We, we made some profit, of course, like in all these stories. Of course, software people, they make, I mean, developers, they make money. But customers lose. And, and, and that guy also lost. The same happened because, because the management was not strong enough to push him back and to tell him not to do the micromanagement, but, but do it differently. I'll explain now. I'll explain a bit later how. So micromanagement is a second problem, which how the customer can kill a project. If the customer has access to the project details, if the customer knows what's going on inside. Of course, if you close everything and say, just wait for the release and you'll get it in a month, then there is no possibility for the micromanagement. In that situation, of course, the customer will not kill the project. But remember, we want to be honest with the customer, honest with the customer. We want to open everything. Now we just need to find a way how to do it. So micromanagement is another threat which uh, you may get from a client. Problem number three uh, is uh, the client can be too verbose, too much talks, too much uh, conversations, mm, just for fun sometimes. Sometimes because the client has nothing else to do. He's just got money and uh, he paid his money and he's got like 10 hours a day for doing, you know, for, for working in this business. But uh, you're just, we're just developing the software and there's nothing to do in the business uh, so far. So what he's doing is he's staying on, on top of us. I'm saying he because I remember exactly the client I'm talking about. That was three years ago, maybe four years ago. And he was the guy who got his, he, he had the money, uh, he invested that money into the software and he was like calling me, calling the project manager like four times a day and without any specific reason. So he was just say, for example, just calling me in the morning and saying, look, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. What do you think if uh, in our project we uh, apply uh, a more detailed analysis of the requirements. Will it help us or not? What do you think? Something like that. I don't remember exactly, but he was asking that kind of question. So what do you think? Can, you, can we talk about that? And since he's a paying customer, it's difficult to say, like, I don't have time right now, and I don't want to talk to you at all about that because it's, a, it's an educational question which you're basically not paying me for. Uh, so I, I had to answer. Initially, I didn't know what was going on so I was just answering that questions and we had conversations for half an hour for an hour then I realized that I'm basically just you know uh, I not only me but there are a few <laughs> a few other people in the project we were just working as um, as just uh, what do you call it? I don't know just partners for the conversations just like friends uh, for that dude and we started to charge him for the time so we said, look, you're talking to us. We're going to pay this. We're going to put that time on the bill. And, and, and that's how it should be. And he said, okay, no problem. I'm ready to pay for it. Uh, but 
but still it was not the way we wanted to to make money because um, just talking and educating uh, someone it's okay if, the, if, 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 if he pays for it but still I don't think this is how a customer helps the project because the project is really not really not really getting too much out of that conversation it's only the customer who gains something and in most cases they will not agree to pay so that guy he got money he was he was properly funded so that's why he had no objection to uh, to paying us but in your case you may not meet that type of customer all the time you you most likely will see someone who will not be ready to pay for it he will find a lot of excuses a lot of uh, reasons for why he's calling and why that question is important and why it's your responsibility to answer the question so why it's this time has not to be paid but you need to answer for example he will call and and and, and just uh, discuss uh, why you guys are using um, github for um, you know for the keeping for for keeping the source code there why not bitbucket let's talk about that so you will have to answer somehow and and uh, and it will be difficult to ju to justify uh, the re the justify why you're charging him for that time i mean you you decided to go for github why didn't you go, why didn't you go for bitbucket i have a few friends who use bitbucket so tell me now why github and you can explain just in a few minutes you need like 15 minutes or i don't know how much time and then he will call you back tomorrow and say look i was thinking about that github problem and i have something else to say how about we talk now and then he will talk and talk and talk it's not a huge problem of course but that's uh, it's really annoying so i remember one time when i was really close to just saying goodbye to the customer and, and, and closing the project because it was so annoying to me personally to deal with that kind of person problem number four um, the customer may uh, tell us what to do technically so the customer may give us uh, may force us to make technical decisions the way they want not the way we want not the way our architects and developers want but the way customer wants and that could be quite first of all annoying for programmers when they made a decision they agreed about something they decided to uh, implement it that way and then the customer comes in and i'm talking about customers who are quite technically savvy so they know things they, they understand how the code works and then they jump in and say i don't like the way you um, i don't know serialize the your data here and uh, the way you use uh, json for example we need to use xml here and and let's use xml i have some reasons for it one or two times it may be okay but still annoying but the bigger problem is that uh later when the decision is made and usually the customer makes just uh specific decisions about specific points in the project the customer just jumps in see a particular solution a particular technical uh area and where they know what they're doing so they know they have some 
data formats. They know the difference between XML and JSON. They know how to do this and that. So, 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 so they are saying, look, I want in this particular area to be done differently. And then they just disappear because they don't understand everything. They don't understand all other areas in the project. They just understand one area. And they force you to do it the way they understand it there, and, but they don't touch you in other areas. But when, when you have, when after that, when the project will have problems because of that decisions, and it may happen, and then the customer will blame you, of course, for, for, the entire, for the entire problem. And of course, it's again annoying. So when the customer is uh, you know, forcing you to, to do things differently, uh, on the technical level, uh, it's just it just demonstrates a lot of disrespect to technical people hired by the project. And when these people feel that they don't have that respect, then they become demotivated and they stop making smart decisions. They start making just decisions. And eventually the project will uh, lose that people, the project will lose, uh, lose technical creativity and uh, proper reasoning. And like with the management, micromanagement, this technical micromanagement will lead to uh, similar problems. Lack of responsibility, lack of accountability, just, we're just code monkeys. The customer called that morning, he said we need to use that framework okay whatever we're going to use that framework we don't care just pay us eventually the project will die and who is guilty the customer they will never accept that they will never admit that they will always blame you so that's why i'm saying customer is a danger is a threat the next problem which may happen and it happened to us to me many times well not really many many but i know exactly one situation which was really funny um, usually it works like that the, the, the customer talks to the project manager the project manager talks to, to to programmers and then programmers talk to each other and then the project gets moves forward somehow also quite fre frequently customers have access to programmers as well so they can communicate with any developer in the project and it's a, it's a good thing if we want to open everything let's open that as well so let's make sure that that all members of the project including the client they have open channel for communication so they can talk to each other that's true but uh it's difficult to explain to a customer that uh talking to programmers and discussing things with them uh it doesn't mean that they are your employees that they that you are their boss so it's difficult for a client to remember to always remember that there is a project manager who is responsible for managing these people and and the customer is just a member of the project so this this hierarchy is difficult to maintain if there is a direct uh channel an open channel with everybody who is sitting in the project i had a situation a few years ago when uh uh, we were doing a remote development and we had like five or six programmers in the project and uh, there was a client uh, uh, I explained them it was one guy I explained him that the way we work 
it was a completely remote development and um, I explained that we work by our rules through github through tickets you probably re know how we work uh, through tickets that we don't have like fully open channel fully open communication channels so if you want to uh, give any instructions to programmers you need to go to github and create a ticket and then inside the ticket you can say whatever you want you can talk there you can ask questions you can post questions but everything has to happen in github because this this means trace traceability for us that means we can we can see what's going on in the project we can manage the project if everything is open for everybody and then we were just moving forward and we were developing and then uh and i was and i had a conversation with the client i was a project manager so i had a conversation with the client in slack and uh, he was talking to me, telling me what, what's necessary to be done. And I was always like asking him to go to GitHub and, 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 and do it there and explain it there and create a ticket. And he was doing it for some time. And then for some, in a few weeks, uh, he got quiet. I mean, he was not talking to me that much. And uh, we were not getting too many tickets in GitHub. So, but I saw the source code. I saw the code base was moving forward. So I saw commits and pull requests and changes, and and I saw that the product is growing. But no tickets, no discussions in GitHub, and no conversation, no communication with me in Slack. So the guy was just quiet, saying just good morning to me sometimes, and I was quiet. And 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 we were for a few weeks. It was like ten days or so. I was I was seeing that that I lost the guy let's put it this way so i lost the connection and uh, and then i realized what happened i realized that the client just found the contact information of developers and created an, another slack chat with them and started to talk to them there without me so it was difficult for him to understand how github works it was not convenient for him to use the tickets so he found the developers somehow i don't know where he got the information but he found them on slack and created a slack channel <laughs> without me put them all together and started to talk to them and explaining them what needs to be done well <laughs> he he kind of uh, we can say he betrayed me so but he he was not he was still paying through me i mean he was still sending money to me and i was paying them but he stole the channel of communication and because it was more convenient for him he didn't do it because he's like a bad guy but he did it because he thought that that would be more convenient for the project to talk directly to programmers and to manage them directly i i i've never seen that extreme cases aside from that particular situation but in many cases something similar happens so that the customer uh, doesn't like or doesn't understand the discipline of tickets the discipline of of development of software engineering uh, they just understand face-to-face -face communications they just like to make a phone call they sometimes just pick up the phone and call the programmer they don't like to explain what needs to be done in this in the text in writing they just used to more traditional uh more convention conventional and traditional uh channels of communication they do it as well in the project why it's bad for the project i think it's obvious because we lose control the project manager loses control we just turn back to traditional uh you know one-to-one -one model of management which is not scalable which is not traceable which is not uh maintainable which is uh, which is full of risks and uh, and 
and it's not what the project needs and many projects will just die because of that will just crash because of that not all of them of course in some of them when the programmers are uh, 24 7 available and they they ready to work like that they ready to be micromanaged or ready to be directly on direct uh, conversation with the customer all the day all day long and the customer wants to be like that like staying on top of these guys every day in the slack channel or in any channel then maybe it will work but in most cases it's not going to work in most cases something will slip through uh, customers fingers something will just programmers will disappear sometimes they will they will leave the project they will uh, new people will join the project the, the information will be lost and then all the typical problems will show up who is guilty the client who started all that nonsense the client why did it happen we'll discuss a little bit later but it happened that's another big threat when customer goes around all the management procedures all the uh, formal channels of exchanging of information goes directly to programmers uh, the next problem which also I've seen many many cases in many many cases is that the customer is demanding the status information too frequently sometimes it could be everyday morning stand-ups in the office or in the online or somehow like meetings phone calls uh, conference calls uh, they may require some status documents like send me the report of what's going on show me the statistics of who spent how much time who is working on what uh, what are the tickets right now what are the tasks right now who is responsible for which part of the software what's the progress and sometimes it may be it may be a lot of data which a project manager has to collect every day just to satisfy just to relax the customer there's only one reason to provide that information for the client it's just to relax him and and show that uh that we are working we we are here we're not we're not lazy we're not just doing nothing we are spending your money the way we're supposed to so these reports, this information is not really helping. It's not really what the customer really needs for the business. It's something just to satisfy, uh, to satisfy, not to satisfy, but to, uh, to calm them down and to give them an illusion that uh, the project is not at risk, that we are not going the wrong direction. It's annoying this huge amount of status reporting this huge amount of status meetings with programmers programmers don't like that when they have to to explain what they're doing every day they don't like to participate in that phone calls and can conference calls because it's because it's annoying they don't respect the customer in that case because they understand that the guy is stupid because if if they want to collect that information so frequently even though the everything is open and they can check it in, in github or in where we work and they can check it in our ticket system they still want us to uh, to sit in front of web cameras and explain them what's going on it's just they will just disrespect the client that's the that's what happens to me that's what happened to my friends that's what always happens if you see if you have to provide a lot of status reporting you will not take that people seriously uh, and also it gives 
customers an illusion, like I said. An illusion means that they will not really be capable of doing uh, correct decisions about the project. And then the project will suffer because of that. The project will collapse because the client is, uh, is paying a lot of attention on uh, the status reports and status information, uh, which if it's being collected too frequently, it's not going to contain, uh, it's not going to contain the information which is valuable. I don't know why, I can't really explain why I think so, but that's just my experience talking here. So when, when I've seen, I've been in one project where we were like, we had like 10 programmers and they were one project manager and two people were busy every day just building reports from Jira, collecting some statuses and, and, and reports and information, getting from Jira and putting into spreadsheets and then presenting that spreadsheets to the project manager. And the project manager was bringing that information to the CTO, like every day, every second day. It was like two people on top of 10 programmers. There were two people plus a project manager, three people of a management burden staying on top of technical team just collecting some status information from Jira and, and moving that data to the CTO. Instead of, I don't know, instead of what? Maybe the CTO would be, uh, had to do it smarter in some other way. We're not going to discuss how, because there are many, many other ways, but that's what I saw. And it was like laughable. People were laughing at that. These two people who were collecting the data, they were just, you know, they had no respect to their upper management, of course because they were do doing this monkey job, routine job every day, understanding that nobody really understands what the information is about. Not, nobody really pays attention to that because there are long spreadsheets, like 100 tickets, these are the priorities, these are the details. They were just somehow collect, putting the data together. I think it's annoying. Well, I, that's what I remember. It was annoying. And it's a threat. So that's how the client kills a project, by doing exactly that. Uh, I'll give you one more, and then we'll go to the solution, which I'm suggesting. Uh, again, my experience talking is that sometimes a customer will, uh, seeing what's going on and looking at the, at the progress, the customer will change the priorities of tasks quite chaotically. I mean, random, not randomly, but according to their... Uh, reasoning of course but that reasoning will change every day and the priorities of tasks will be switched and changed and swapped and 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 there will be no system in that so the, the team the technical team will not know why yesterday that uh, feature was important and now this feature is not important there's another feature important and there are so many features and the importance of them is always changing we don't know exactly what is going on, why it's going on, and uh, we are, uh, and we have no say in that decision-making process because it's coming from the client. So it, it it's not a big problem, but it, again, it turns project into chaos, and uh, it demotivates the team because programmers, like in many other examples, programmers don't respect the client anymore because they see uh, the lack of reasoning. From, from from the upper management they they see that uh, customers are 
um, far from being uh, smart and, uh, wi and wise and, um, you know, and, uh, uh, and properly planned, they're just acting out of their moods, out of their, out of their uh, emotions. And that's why the priorities are changing. And today, this, today, this, this uh, set of features is important. Tomorrow, uh, it's something completely different. So allowing the customer to see what's going on in the project will provoke them uh, to change statuses and priorities more frequently. That's what my experience is telling me. If you close everything, if you, if, you, if you don't let them see what's going on inside and just say that, uh, just wait for a month and you will get the next version, they will not have the instruments, they will not have the, the, uh, the tools to, con to, manip to, to control you, to manage you, because these, these priorities and um, importance of features is the tool which they start to play with, which they start to use. If you don't give them that tool, if you don't have access to that tool, they're not going to touch it. So they're like kids. They, they, they feel that they, they can play, so they play. They see that they can call you and say, hey, stop working on feature A, start working on feature B. And you say, sure, because they pay you for it. So you say, sure, and you do that. And they, like, they look, wow, it's great. My team is listening to me. They, they, they go a different direction now. How about I call them tomorrow and switch the priorities back? See, that's how I manage the project. So they get an illusion that they are managing something, that they are making some decisions, even though these decisions don't really make any sense or don't really help the project or don't really change the, uh, the, the situation with the project and all that. So there could be many other uh, things how customer can, can ruin the project by, mm, by playing with it, by touching it in, in places where it's not supposed to be touched and all that so the, the the first of course the first solution is to close the project just don't let them touch it don't let them see what's going on just close everything but i don't like it i don't think that's the way professional development teams have to go i think we have um we can do better i think we can open everything and still keep the client under control so we do need to keep the client under control. We need to manage our clients. We need to control how they control us. So we need to give them three things. That's my solution. That's what I'm proposing. I think we need to give them three things which they will have, which if they have them, the project will be strong enough not to be ruined by their clients. I think these things are metrics, procedures and rules. Which is always, which I am personally always lacking in my projects, unfortunately. So when I look back in all my projects which I've done so far, in the projects which I'm doing now, we're always lacking these three things. We're not, we don't have enough metrics, we don't have enough procedures, and we don't have enough rules. Metrics. We need to collect information about what's going on, and we need to build numbers, which, and we need to do it automatically. So there has to be some there have to be some numbers which are visible to everybody to the client as well which are telling us about what's going on in the project where we're moving how much money we're spending how effective our programmers are how good is the code how stable is the code base how stable is the continuous delivery pipeline how uh, strong is the unit testing coverage how effective is the every dollar that the client is paying 
and all that. So the more metrics we have and the more accurate and precise they are, the better. It's difficult. It's way more difficult than calling a customer and talking to them for an hour and convincing them that we are doing the good job right now. That's what most managers are doing. Just, just solving the problem by making phone calls. If the customer is angry, pick up the phone and calm that, that person down. That's easy. But the more difficult way is to create a set of metrics which will show uh, transparently they, which will demonstrate transparently what the project is, uh, is doing now, what's the situation now. And that will put everybody on the same page, the client and the team and the project manager and everybody else. How many metrics we can collect? That's a question. Again, it depends on the budget of the project. Not, not so many projects can actually afford uh, to collect many metrics. It's difficult. But that's what professional project management instruments, tools, companies have to provide. That's what we are trying to achieve in Xerocracy. We are developing that set of, um, set of you know, tools and instruments for every project, which, which will give metrics to, 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 to managers, to clients, to programmers. If I would have metrics years ago in many of my projects, many of the problems I would uh, be able to avoid. But I didn't have them. So I was solving all the problems with just phone calls. And of course it didn't work. It didn't always work. The second thing which I think is important is procedures. Again, in most cases we have, we have, we have no procedures. We have just, uh, we have just some so-called ad hoc management. When something happens, we solve it the way it's more appropriate to solve now. So we don't have any, inst any, any instructions and any procedures of what do we do if this and that happens. What do we do if the, the, the programmer uh, quits the project? What are the instructions? What are the procedures? So what do we do when we uh, make a technical decision, a new technical decision? What do we do if we have a concern about the technical decision made? What do we do if we don't have enough information about that particular decision or about that particular module? So what is the procedure? If we have that procedure, if we have so-called policy of work, then that will be easier for the customer to know that policy, to know that procedure, and just follow it. Just know what's going on. Instead of that, the customer, when, you, when, when the customer is in the, completely in the dark, then it's okay because the customer just assumes that the guys in the software team, they know what they're doing and... I, I don't need to touch them. They just know I have no way to touch them. I have no uh, visibility of what they're doing. Okay, let's hope that they are professional. But as soon as we open everything, as soon as the project becomes open, then the customer starts asking questions of why these guys are doing that. Why they're, they don't know what's happening in, in this area of the code. Why they are not submitting questions in the morning. Why yesterday they had this meeting and today they, didn't ha they don't have this meeting. Why yesterday uh, we had five tickets, in, in new tickets for the code base, and today we have zero, and tomorrow we have ten. So what's going on? What is the logic in, in what's going on? What is the, what is the logic behind uh, everything that is happening in the project? The customer doesn't know it, and the team doesn't know it. In most cases, the team doesn't have that, that procedures. The team doesn't, doesn't follow any procedures. The team just, just works. Just 
just hello this is the new day in the office let's just work let's just make things happen according to no procedures according to no policy according to no uh, specific instructions that that provokes chaos and as long as the customer is not in that chaos it's more or less okay because this chaos is local internal and people are used to it but as soon as you invite the customer to this chaos the customer will ruin everything easily because nobody likes to pay for chaos you know because that's money talking here the, the customer the client is paying money and they don't want to to enjoy seeing you in chaos so they will ruin it and easily so procedures is the second thing which is important for the project again in bureaucracy we're trying to uh, to have that i'm not trying to advertise bureaucracy now i'm just i'm just giving an example for uh for how i'm solving my problems so i'm managing many pro i'm managing my projects in bureaucracy now and i want that procedures i don't want to repeat my mistakes which i've made which i've made years ago so uh so i'm trying to define the policy of work i'm trying to uh, educate myself first of all of what should i do what will i do tomorrow if that situation will happen again and i'm writing it down i'm creating the i'm creating a policy i'm creating some rules some some procedures which will help me and my clients and point number three is rules so procedures is like a description of uh like the the flow of operations rules is more like what happens when something goes wrong not what happens but uh i'm talking about a punishment and rewarding rules here so how to punish how to reward uh, which is very important for any management especially when the money is involved in most teams there are no rules at all so we just don't know who is the who is a good programmer who is a bad programmer we don't know we don't know um, um, who's going to be punished if the the, the the mistake is made who's going to suffer who's going to celebrate we have no information at all and that's why when this information is not present then uh, the customer feels that nobody will be punished and it means that there is no responsibility in customers eyes in the eyes of a person who spends money when i spend money and i see a team of people in front of me working and in a relaxed mode completely understanding that nothing will happen to them if they if they if they fail big time if they if they i mean if the project is not going to work then i feel really uh un un uncomfortable i don't want that to happen i want these guys to know what's going to happen i don't i want them to know the consequences of their mistakes but if the rules are not explained anywhere if it's not clear what are the responsibilities then the customer starts making their own decisions starts uh, establishing their own rules and starts punishing by making phone calls it starts punishing by uh, enforcing you to do to do uh, the technical work the way they want it they start punishing you by uh, bringing some friends into the project and saying that the friends said that your code is bad this is the way they try to punish you because you didn't introduce a client and yourself a transparent and clear and obvious system of punishment and awards which which will just work if the system doesn't exist then they will build that system and the way they build it you're not going to like it 
So it's better to build that motivational rules by yourself and present it to the customer and say, look, we're going to work like that. If this, if we fail here, this is the problem for all of us. If, if one programmer fails here, that's how we punish that programmer. If the programmer succeeds here, that's how we celebrate the success and all that. It's not so easy. I, I mentioned that in many other articles and podcasts. This is, I think, the most difficult problem in management. It's the problem number one, which stays on top of all other problems. So when you solve other problems, you solve them in order to solve the problem number one, the, the, the biggest problem. How to transparently, uh, objectively, um, effectively, and, um, and, uh, and clear and, and, uh, and obviously uh, punish and award and reward uh, the work people do in the project. If you can do that, you're a good project manager. You're a perfect project manager. Until then, you're still getting there. So all these plans, schedules, milestones, I don't know, budgets, uh, and everything else is just a preparation to the main final decision you make on top. Not the decision, but the main final document you put on top, which explains how you motivate, how you motivate, how you punish and reward. So that's what I think. Uh, I think it's time to close, uh, to finish our discussion. Um, I, there was a, like I mentioned before, there was a blog post about all that uh, on my blog. It's called How to Be Honest and Keep a Customer. And there was a, um, a conference talk which I gave um, in summer last year, um, which also was about this subject. You, it, it is attached to the blog post. Try it out with your clients and uh, always remember that the client is a potential danger. A client is not your friend. A client is not your buddy. A client is the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous elements of a project. If you can control that element, if you can manage that element, if you can put that element under, uh, under your uh, con control rules and, and management rules, then you'll be safe and the project will be safe. If not, get ready for chaos, get ready for lost money, get ready for, get ready for frustration. Um, I think I'm done. Thank you very much. It was Shift M Podcast, episode 22. Thanks for listening.